Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in three, two, one. And it's my pleasure to welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage, Pavan Dillon, principal and founder of Dillon Immigration Law. Pavan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me, Lee. Thank you for being on the show. I'm very excited for this conversation. We might get into some technology. We might get into some really niche practices that you've done and some amazing marketing that you've done as well. But before we get into all of that, take us back to before you started your immigration law firm, when you were in big law. Um, Tell us the story about what inspired you to leave big law and start your own firm. Sure. Um, so I, st- I actually started my career at a smaller firm. So I was working in Canada. I'm a Canadian immigration attorney. And I, I went to law school in Canada and worked in Canada for a number of years. And I worked at small boutique practices. And in 2012, I decided to quit my job in small law and moved to New York City. And I wrote the New York Bar. Um, and within two weeks of writing the bar, there was a job posting for Canadian immigration attorney in New York City. So I jumped on the opportunity to apply. And um, it was not where I saw myself. I, I didn't. So it was more the fact that it kind of fell in my lap versus me pursuing big law. But I worked at um, a large law firm uh, for over five years and managed their Canadian immigration practice. Um, and I think I learned a lot from that experience. Um, but I think at some point, it became very clear to me that it wasn't the career that I had in mind. I think I I have an entrepreneurial spirit. Um, My parents were business owners and I really loved being an immigration lawyer in particular. And I was, I was solely focused on business immigration, which I continue to be now. Um, But our practice does also offer personal immigration services as well. So I think that having um, the broader scope as well as the opportunity to really serve really inspired me to start my own practice. I, I knew at some point that I always would end up having my own practice. And then for personal reasons, I was moving to San Francisco. So I moved from Boston to San Francisco and I just felt that there was no time like the present. Um, and I, I took the plunge and started my own practice. Um, I also took time off in between big law and and opening my my own practice. Very cool. That's awesome. So uh, if I heard you right, the reason that you really left big law was you could have more flexibility in your practice. You could offer um, different kinds of immigration, maybe a broader scope of immigration to a broader group of clients than you might have been able to do uh, in your big law firm. Yeah, I think I think a part of it was definitely the ability to. I, I I think that when you're in a big law firm and you have a very niche practice area like immigration, it can get really siloed. Um, and I really prefer to have full control over the type of clients that I have and the the real vision that I have, which I think was different than than the vision in big law. And so when I decided to quit my job, it was it was definitely a big move, um, but. I think the timing just worked really well as well. It's awesome that you uh, 
you were that aggressive and you decided to take some time off and then go for it, um, which is which is pretty cool. A lot of people wouldn't have responded to moving cross country that way. They would have said, oh, no, that's too much change. I don't want to do any more. But you really went for it. And one of the things I really am interested in digging into with you is the niche aspect of your practice, because when we talk about it, I guarantee you uh, some attorneys that are listening to this are going to think to themselves, oh my God, that is way too narrow of a niche. And you and I are going to talk more about that. But tell us a little bit about the niche that that you have for your immigration firm. Sure. Um, so my practice, there's another attorney that works with me um, as well. And we've, we handle all types of Canadian immigration. My practice is really Canadian business immigration focused, um, which is really interesting. I think when I first moved to the United States, everyone would always ask me, what? Wait, wait, what's your practice? This <laughs> is so narrow of a practice area. And they're like, so you don't help people coming into the United States. You you are focusing on people leaving the United States and going to Canada. And I'd say yes. Um, and it was always very interesting to see people's reaction. I think what happened, and this is part of the reason timing worked out when I started my practice, U.S. immigration has become increasingly restrictive. Um, and especially when, right before I started my my own practice, which was in, in late 2018. And at that point, we had really seen a lot of stress associated with immigration. And I think that that is something that I could do was really work with people and, and, you know, continue to keep that dream alive by transferring it to, to Canada. Um, and so it is, it is very, very, very niche, <laughs> <I'd> say. <laughs> but I've, I've always felt that that was a strength, you know, even when I, when I, when I decided to leave big law and start my own practice, everyone was like, okay, so you'll, you'll focus on us immigration now. Instead of instead of keep continuing to really focus on on Canada, and I was like, nope, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to focus on Canada. I mean, I think the the benefit is that you know I always start my consultations with this as well as is to understand what what is motivating someone to move, and what is what is the drive and desire to have, to move to a new country. And my parents were immigrants um, from Canada, and they also. I, I think I've been surrounded by immigration my whole life. And I am really, I, I feel so strongly um, connected to the immigrant journey because I, I've seen it around me the entire, my entire life. And then I went to the U.S. and, and immigrated into, into, the, into the U.S. as well. So I have to have that uh, perspective to share um, and, and really understand the value of, of counsel. Yeah, I think that's really powerful and something I've seen that a lot of immigration attorneys have. They almost always have some personal story or connection to immigration law that really drives them forward. So that's that is really cool. And your specific focus on people who are leaving the US and going to Canada. The question I think a lot of attorneys might have is, "Oh my gosh, isn't that too small of a niche to build a practice around?" And what's been your experience there, Pavan? Yeah, and so I think what's what so you take the the very narrow niche, then you take the fact that I moved across the country from Boston to San Francisco, and you also take the fact that I had no professional contacts when I moved here, and because I took time off, I had no clients, so I started from scratch, um, and I mean obviously very I had a number of years of experience. Um, yeah, you had and, a few and, things going for you too. <laughs> so so it wasn't like completely. Um, uh, it, it was definitely still challenging in the sense that 
you know, I knew it was going to work out. I I knew it. I knew that 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 even though it was a niche practice, I, I've only seen even you know through different political regimes, like in the U.S., I, I've seen like different presidents in power and different different immigration policies. But Canada and the U.S. have such a strong economic relationship and trading partnership that there's just constantly going to be uh, an ongoing need for this uh, particular service. It's it was more about how do I build that practice now after and and from and starting from scratch. I, I found that really inspiring most of the time. I would say every few weeks I'd have like you know minor panic attacks and <laughs> say, oh my goodness, like wait, was this, you know, I, I did, I did have them. And it, it was something that um I had to work through in by focusing on my ultimate goal, which was really understanding the type of vision I have for my practice um, and and making sure all the decisions I made reinforced that vision and that goal. And I think that really helped me in terms of the growth that I needed because I didn't always I didn't focus on the numbers. I didn't look to see, how much revenue was coming in right away, I would always look to see instead what was the benefit that I was providing. And I, when I focused, I think from that perspective, it really helped to grow my practice because my networking efforts were always very genuine. I always approached people with, um, and that's how I grew my business. I have actually never, I think apart from like a few campaigns, social media campaigns, when I would test them <laughs> here and there, I grew my practice entirely from word of mouth. Um, I've never, I've never advertised. It, it's, it really grew from personal connections. So, so here's the question, Pav, and I want to jump in here because this is super, super important. When you moved to San Francisco, you didn't know anybody and yet you grew your practice through personal connections. So how did you do that? Yeah. Uh, well, so I, um, before I started my practice, I had time. I, you know, as I mentioned, I took some time off, but I reached out to all of the lawyers, immigration lawyers that I really admired um, and reached out to them and how, and asked them like, how did they do it? You know, what advice did they have for me? And um, one of the best pieces I I received of advice was from, you know, figuring out who is your ideal client and understanding um, the best ways in which you can reach that client. It seems really basic, but you'd be surprised that <laughs> that so many people don't really think about who is their ideal client. Well, I'm not and surprised so, at all. <laughs> <laughs> maybe for you, it's not surprising, but um, I did. So what I, I started to do is I realized like that I'm fascinated by entrepreneurs in general, entrepreneurship. And that was always one of my focus targets. Uh, clients, um, new entrepreneurs who wanted to start their practice or start their business in Canada. And so I first started to meet as many U.S. immigration attorneys as I possibly could. Anybody that would talk to me, I would take them out for lunch. <laughs> I was like, you know, take that opportunity. I joined a lot of bar associations. Um, I went to the South Asian Bar Association, any any type of um, the, the San Francisco Bar Association, the California Lawyers Association, the American Immigration Lawyers Association, and I would just network. I would go to startup events because I was interested in helping startups. And that really helped to, and, and it would, it would, it could be, I've been to like Agritech 
conferences, like you name it. In the beginning, I didn't know anybody. So all I did was show up at these conferences and and always have, um, I never went to any specific event thinking, this is going to lead to something. Like this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet a client here, which I, I, that just doesn't cross my mind. Instead, what I think is, how am I going to learn? And and that's how how I approach those meetings. So I think that that having that type of genuineness whenever you're approaching a networking event or meeting is is a good way to do it. Um, and I think that the other thing I would say is that for me it was also I didn't have a social circle even when I moved to to San Francisco. So a lot of it was just in general understanding like the ecosystem. And I really, San Francisco especially is such a place that is so, um, that is just a thriving ecosystem. And and to understand how it's connected, you can only do that by going to these events and understanding how all of it kind of fits together and works together. Um, but I've I've never felt that large networking events themselves are, is the place to to grow the practice. It always it always came organically from individual meetings for me anyhow and then the second thing I would say is um, I didn't advertise in terms of paid advertising but I did post a lot on um, immigration topics so I had all the time in the world in the beginning because I had no clue (laughs) and and so what I would do is I would just think about all of the issues that my clients at, at the larger firm um, based and and what are those some of the strategies that I had that that would help them? Um, and the other thing I think I, I I really focus on is the client. I'm very obsessed with how the client's experience is, and I want to make it as easy as possible for them because ultimately it should be very clear. The steps should be very it should be outlined from the beginning, and so I spent a lot of time developing process. Uh, process mapping and and really organizing my practice so that I you know was starting from scratch with new templates and and but I found that really exciting I found that this was my opportunity to shape the practice of my dreams that's how I approach my every day like even when I'm swamped and I'm super busy I'm and and it used to be super stressful now it's just very I'm like wow I'm so busy (laughs) This is great. Like you do a I, lot, right? Yeah, You're like it's foreign. And it just like in the beginning, I'd say the first six months were were slow. Um, but then it just started to take off and it kind of snowballed. Um, and then the pandemic hit. <laughs> so it's <laughs> great. The borders were shut down. But I, I want to go back to this time where so you did a lot of things right when you were setting up your firm. You you figured out who your ideal client was, and we spend a lot of time working with our our clients to figure that out for them as well. Um, and then once you did that, you moved, you hustled, you got out there, you met people and you built relationships and those relationships resulted in opportunities, which is great. And then you were also taking the time to establish yourself as a thought leader by creating um, content, delivering information that was going to be helpful for your ideal client in an authentic way, which is fantastic. So now let's take them back to the point where you're getting some clients and now you're no longer able to maintain this pace of networking and writing because you have now you have client work to deal with. You talked about processes and systems and tell me a little bit about how you were able to leverage those processes and systems to help you bootstrap your practice. 
Yeah, absolutely. My um, and this is, I think, where it was really helpful to be um, to manage such a large practice at a large law firm because I had to leverage process at my last job, and so it really helped to lay the foundation. I I saw how how it can transform a practice to have control over, um, you know, minimize mistakes. And uh, there's no, there's no cut, there's no copy and paste. Instead, you have templates that are built out and I use document automation to ensure that the, you know, the information that's input is appropriately entered in where it's supposed to be. So there's, there's document automation and then there's document automation. And I think you have a, a next level version that you use. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. I use Express Docs um, and I I used to use Hot Docs, um, but I switched to Express Docs. And I think that um, what makes it really powerful is it, you can really build in a lot of decision-making. So it's like if-then statements will, will dictate how the documents populate. And what that did is allow me to free up my time to really focus on the legal assessment and analysis and then training, <laughs> and then training other people how to use it. Because it's it's one of those things that I think a lot of people shy away from because it looks much more complicated than it is. Now, there's a lot of process, uh, a lot of tools that do offer it, but at a very base level. Um, so you have a lot of practice management programs that have it kind of built in. Um, but I never found them to quite meet my needs the way that I needed. Uh, and so I focused a lot on having um, electronic questionnaires, making it very easy for the client to fill in the information. Um, I use another tool called Pipefile to gather information, uh, gather documents, my apologies, um, for uh, in a way that's automated as well, because you enter it in and then they have to, they can securely upload the documents and you have the opportunity to accept or reject them. And provide feedback onto why, if you reject it, why you're rejecting it. So then the client and the, the client knows, um, you know, what specifically is needed. And it's an automatic, and every time, and this is like every document that comes in, it, it makes it much easier to manage because at the end, once they've accepted everything and, and you've received all the documents, you can mark the process completed and it automatically, and then you can transfer it entirely into your process, into your practice management program. So I, I leverage a lot of these tools, and I think that helped me stay lean in the beginning. Um, I also think that uh, you can only stay lean so long. That's right. <laughs> and then at some point, you know, this, the, your your success helps to helps you grow, and you can um, gain a lot of support uh, through through hiring key team members um, who have, and, and for me, the challenge I've always had is hiring people who have experience in Canadian immigration because I'm in the United States. Um, right. So not that many paralegals or office managers that have that specific background. So I'm almost always working either from training from scratch or training from U.S. immigration. And so that that has taken, I think I'm pretty good at it now. I've been here in the, in the U.S. for 10 years. Um, so I, I know how to uh, navigate some of those questions. Um, uh, some of the issues that the the training often arises, and so I've like developed some some good training methods um, as well. 
you've done a, a lot of business development. You've done a lot of speaking and writing. Um, you have built your own practice. You've hired other attorneys and staff. Um, a lot of things have been you know, going well for you because you've been working hard to do it. Different question. What do you like the most or what do you really enjoy about having your own firm? Oh, I love client interaction. I love it. I love being involved in the immigrant journey. I think it's really powerful. And I think that even though it's my part is small, is very small, seeing what can happen and and seeing people's lives change is incredibly fulfilling. I would never practice any other area of law. I love being an immigration lawyer. And that to me is still the most important motivator. Um, and everyone we hire has to have that same passion. And we want to see it. We want that empathy. We want to know that that at the end, like we understand how stressful it is to not know whether your status in, in the country that you currently reside is going to be active in the year. Like that's terrifying if you think about it. And so we we try to always put ourselves into that um, in, into that person's shoes and think like, how would, of course I'm going to be terrified about this, you know, like this is why they, if they, if they reach out at all hours, it's because they need, they need that information. Right. Um, right. And it's, it's something that's really important to them. So I think that that, um, you know, and, and watching it. So going from that stress level, empathizing and, and kind of, you know, connecting with the client and explaining why, you know, we understand where they're coming from, but there are steps that are, that are necessary to, to get to where we need to go. And this is our plan. This is how we're going to get there. And this is how long it's going to take. Um, and, and I think kind of road mapping is really important. Um, and then after that, actually seeing them move to Canada or, you know, having meet whatever objectives they have. We have a lot of clients also. So a lot of clients, we have a, a large portion of our clientele that moves um, permanently to Canada, to Canada, but we also have a lot of clients that are working temporarily. So they're going back and forth. Um, and from that perspective, I love working with companies because the companies are usually like the, they are newer companies, I'd say, like in the last five to 10 years and, and watching them flourish and grow. Like we just had a company that was that was acquired for, for over 120 million. And we started with them like very early on. And it's so exciting to see to see that happen and, and to be part of it, even if it's in a, in a very small way. That's rewarding for sure. Um, so if, if someone's listening to this, you know, as, as an attorney entrepreneur who's looking to build their own practice, they might be a little bit intimidated because <laughs> you've done a lot of things. You moved to an area where you didn't know anybody. You've really started a very niche focused practice, uh, which has flourished and thrived. Um, and now you're at the point where you're staffing up and bringing on people. Um, but, you know, in any situation, every owner of a law firm always has challenges they're dealing with. Um, what are some of the top challenges that you're working on in your practice right now? I would say government processing times <laughs> are not really complying with us these days. Um, it's gotten really, it, in the beginning when I started my practice, it was so much faster than it is now. And so managing expectations um, is, is something that I think I have to constantly remind myself to be clear about because there is like we can only base our 
our advice about processing times on recent experience. But given the pandemic, there were so many fluctuations. And so it would go from, you know, the first, and then the question was always like, how long is this going to take? What's the process? How much is it going to cost me? And how long is this going to take? And so the first steps were fairly easy. And then the last step is, is, is definitely very challenging. Um, from from my practice area, um, in terms of practice management, uh, the most challenging thing I'm facing right now, I think it's an, it's an interesting question. I think that I still I still need better work life balance. <laughs> I don't know if that actually exists or not. Um, I I do think that that having you know, especially in the beginning when you first launch your practice, like it is it's almost like an obsession. Like I wake up in the morning, I put in my, my AirPods, I'm making coffee and I have a podcast on every day, you know, and I listen to a podcast or I listen, I'm listening to an audiobook, And when I take a break I'll, or I work out, I'm still, I'm still doing the same thing. And it's like, you're constantly thinking about how to improve, how to be better how to make a bigger difference. And I think that that, that's something that's like very exciting and empowering, but then at the same time, you also have to like remind yourself to have like more balance and, and to like figure out a pathway. And then one of the things that I've been reading a lot lately is about having mindful intention about every day, like at the beginning of your day, focusing on like, these are the three things I need to get done today. And, and, and being able to be okay with, with that, you know, and then like managing your time, because as you grow, I can't just put inbox pause on for two hours anymore. Like I need to make sure that there's always a way that somebody can contact me. If your clients don't get you get, you know, have, don't have access to you for two hours, that's okay. But if your staff doesn't, they can't do what they need to do because they have a question that's blocking them from reaching. So I found like, um, as I grew, I had a lot more uh, demands on my time personally. Uh, and and, it, and I think that can be something that's, um, that's a bit challenging. For sure. And that's something that we all deal with as we grow our firms is something that, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with as well. And uh, one of the challenges that, that I, that I do with my clients and attorney entrepreneurs, if you're listening, you should totally take note of this. I think I might've mentioned it before, but it's uh, something I do called the paradise planner. And I put it into practice for myself. I challenged myself. How can I take a month off? What I wanted to take the month of July off and hang out with my kids. And so I said, how can I actually do that? And it took me two years to structure my practice so I could take a full month off, um, but I was able to do it. And it required, you know, systems, it required people, it required backups. There was a lot of things that went into it, but it was, it was so much fun when that happened. Um, and, you know, people say, well, that's great. LA, but why don't you just take you know, two months off? Why don't you just take 10 months off? I really only wanted to take one because to your point, Pavan, I enjoy running my business way too much, take more time than that off. <laughs> it's just fun. <laughs> That's the exciting part, right? Is getting back to it. Like I definitely miss that. Like if I take time off, taking time off and coming back, I get excited about it. Yeah. Um, that's a good thing. You know, Monday morning hits. I'm like, Oh, it's like, let's see what's going to happen this week. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah absolutely. <laughs> and so speaking of that, what are some of the things that you're looking forward to in Dillon immigration law over the next, I don't know, uh, the next year, year and a half? I'm definitely looking to grow. Um, more 
I think that one of the one of the beauties of of having a practice that starts to flourish and 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 seeing the impact that you can have is by trying to make your services available to more people and having more of an impact. Um, so one of the things that I would really like to do um, is is definitely hire more, um, hire more attorneys, and then hire more um, more paralegals as well. The other thing I'd like really like to do, and I did this a lot during the pandemic, especially was um, free webinars that were very detailed. Um, but it was almost like I was getting to the point where I just couldn't, I want to help, but I can't help everybody because there's only one of me. And so what I started to do is, and I always, you know, I mean, we, we bill for our time. And so sometimes you're, you're, when you're, providing a fee as a client will write back and say, you know, I'm a foreign student. I have, don't have the money for this. So one of the things that I really want to do is, is, is do more free webinars and, and invite people to them so that if they can't afford the legal fees in the beginning, then at least they have the, the basic information that they need. Um, it can be a bit of a minefield immigration. It doesn't seem like it sometimes, but I think you can, you can definitely, um, put yourself into positions uh, that there's real, there are real long-term consequences for not knowing the correct path to take. And so the access to justice issue is something that is, that I'm also very passionate about. And I'm hoping that, you know, as I, as I grow, um, that that's something that I can, I can help as well. Yeah. Well, the good news is now it's easier than ever to do that type of thing with, you know, webinars are there and you can do online courses um, and you can hire staff to do some of these things too. There's a lot of different options that weren't there, you know, 10 years ago, Uh, they're there now. So um, it's nice. And those things are only going to become more and more prevalent as we move forward. And Bhavan, if someone was interested in working with your firm or connecting with you, what's the best way for them to contact you? I'd say definitely email. Um, it's pdillon at dillonimmigration.com. It's also available on our website. Um, and I think that that's always the best way to, to reach me. Phone is almost the worst way, actually, <laughs> uh, to get a hold of me. It's just constantly, you know, get sent to, to voicemail. Um, so I, I think that the email is definitely the best way. Well, Pavan, thank you so much for your time, for coming on Lawyer Business Advantage today and sharing your story. Congratulations on all your success. Thank you, thank you so much. It was really fun to, to have um, to be a guest on, on your podcast. And I've been listening to your podcast a lot, actually. <laughs> oh, good, good. I'm, I'm glad to hear we're part of your morning routine. And yeah, everyone, that's exactly. Pavan Dillon with Dillon Immigration Law. If you know Americans who are immigrating to Canada, she's a firm for you to contact. Thank you, Pavan. Thank you. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. And I want to hear from you. So connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress, we would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. 
We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Ale Yajnik. Until next time, remember, you can seize freedom. You can embrace happiness. You can build your perfect practice. Thank you.